there's no better course. So, and cross country skiing is meant to be hard. Uh, really fun race. And hi, I'm Rosie Frankowski from APU. See, here we have with the hero Bjorn Daly. That's the great thing about sport. Make it rain. Make make it rain. You play to win. It is. I mean, that's that's our sport. So. Toughen up, train harder, and get in that pack and make it rain. Make it rain. Make it make it rain. First of all, excuse me, West. Make it rain. I have paraffin ironed onto it once in a while. Make it rain. You see, the critic of air must use air to make a case against air. The fact that he's able to make an argument at all proves that he's wrong. And from that, I, it's sort of up to me to, to pick the ones that I really like, which is, can't be super hard at that yeah. I'm sure you have experience with testing two very nice pairs of skis, you know, that they feel exactly the same. Let's go. Ain't no way they can stop me now, daddy, because I'm on my way. I can feel my way. On the back stretch, it is Mellon and Richardson. No, it wasn't playing me like it. You shut up. It's just like, if you want to talk to me outside, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Talk about that. Bumble like Michael Ray. Tell him again. It's bumble like Michael Ray. Hear what I say. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one nothing. And an infantry. Me, AI, Shaq, and come and look to the eyes I see. Cover man with more heart than hard mark. During the race, she heard me. I'm very flattered about that. <laughs> you are skiing very wise. You know, we're gonna have to work hard. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to train hard. But you know, this, this group has got a has got an already work ethic. You know, so that's not gonna be the problem. Well, hello and welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Cedarquist. So glad you could join us here today. We are in the break day here on the World Championships. Tomorrow is the 10-kilometer individual start. Um, One of the events I think American fans should be the most thrilled about with Jesse Diggins being, maybe you could consider her one of the favorites for sure. Abba Anderson, Jesse Diggins, Frida Carlson, uh, Krista Parmakowski. There's a lot of names in there that could take it. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, the headlining aspect of this show as you saw in the title we've got david norris we're catching him mid in route to planitza right now david norris uh, fresh off his alley loop victory in the marathon and um i guess a little bit more importantly um the win at the berkey this last saturday uh david norris been named to the 2023 world's team his third world's team in a row actually 2019 2021 he was on both of those teams as well and had fantastic finishes in those races, and we caught him here because his story is, well, not, not just because we're big-time David Norris fans, okay? So I want to back up here, pump the brakes, all of you people who are just like, oh, wow, I bet you're so thrilled. Yeah, we are. We This is the David Norris Fan Club podcast for sure. We love Norris, and we love him as an, as an athlete. We're thrilled that he got named and that he's going to be competing here. I think Planets is going to suit him well. Uh, but also, yeah, the story's kind of interesting because David Norris sort of retired. He's been coaching at Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club this year, but also, as you will hear, training a crap ton. So that's, we we like that too. We kind of like the athletes who are like, you know, prioritizing physical fitness and um, and fitting it in when needed. Even that means a little bit of L2 plus work. It sounds like Norris might have some of that in his system and it paid off in a big way in the Berkey Biner where he pulled away for like the last 47K. Speaking of the Berkey, I had teased on our last show about a result from a Cedar Skier podcast guest. And then I never, you know, made, um, I never came back with the conclusion to that tease. So if you were like, what the heck, ride? You are the king of making teases and then not coming through with them. Yes, that is true. Let's take a look at the results here. The Berkey Skate finishing in 19th place. For the Berkey skate, yes, I know. It's crazy. 
But Garrett Heath gets the award for the best Berkey race, I think. You'd have to say so, right? He finished in 19th place, 2 hours and 19 minutes, 40 seconds. And some of the names in front of him, he was in fr- right in front of Will Solo, who I believe, I thought I Googled him. I think he might be a Colby skier. Um, but some of the other names he's like right in there with, Ben Lutzgarten, he was five seconds behind him. Um, Simon Zink, Zach Ketterson, Finn O'Connell, they were just about, a. it looks like a minute and 40 seconds in front of Heath. You know, so like he's right in there with the with the big guns. Garrett Heath, maybe he missed his calling. Uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about, we had Garrett Heath on the show um, earlier this year, and he is a former pro runner for Brooks, actually still pro runner for Brooks, for Brooks. He's just kind of made the shift to the trails now, but a Minnesota State High School champion in cross-country running and cross-country skiing. In fact, his junior and senior year, he pulled off the triple-double or the triple-triple, maybe, I guess you'd have to call it. He won cross-country, he won cross-country skiing, and he won the mile and the two-mile in both his junior and senior years. So legendary in a state that is by far, well, I guess I shouldn't say by far, maybe the Alaskans would sniffle at that if I said by far the hardest state ski meet to win. Um, it's got to be up there, though. Uh, so for him to win that and then obviously come back and win track and cross-country running, Minnesota is a very strong cross-country running state and his state time at Northfield 1511 was the state record for a long time it got broke I believe maybe by Hassan Mead by like tenths of a second it was you know Hassan Mead obviously an Olympian in 2016 Garrett Heath should have been an Olympian too and speaking of should have been Olympians David Norris is on the show today did I mention that already he um he's he's going to, to raise the world so we'll get to that interview before we do though um I would like to I guess get excited about this 10K freestyle we got coming up. So I have in front of me a list of all of the world champions in the 10K freestyle. Uh, I also have some f- uh, the start list and some fun facts. So let's see what Fist pulled out as being the fun facts to go into tomorrow. Okay, I'll read them off for you. Um, Sweden, as they preview the world championship. They talk about Sweden. Really? Why is that? Hmm. The afternoon mocha has been dialed into perfection. I'm actually drinking my afternoon mocha out of my Alley Loop cup. So thrilled. Greatest idea. How cheap was that? Alley Loop, brilliant. You know, they probably made 4,000 of these mugs at $2 a pop, and then they give them away with your soup at the finish line. A great keepsake. Cedar Skier podcast mug. I should have my Cedar Skier podcast mug, but it's sitting in a cupboard in Bad Medicine Lake, Minnesota. Hmm. Frida Carlson and Eva Anderson uh, accompanied Norway's Therese Johak on the podium and the 2021 championships. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so that's good to know. Eva, Frida. So last year it was Therese, then Frida, then Eva. Okay, I, I, my early prediction, by the way, right off the bat, I think Eva Anderson's going to destroy everyone in this. I think she's going to win by 13 seconds. I think second is probably going to be Jessica Diggins. And then I think third we will see, mm, it'll be someone we don't really expect, like Either Krista Parmakoski is going to pull it out, or maybe Tierra Unas Vang is going to have the race for life. It's going to be some someone out there that that we're not thinking. I don't think I think Frida Carlson is just not having it. So it's going to be someone else going to sneak in there. Maybe it'll even be like crazy surprise. Who's that one Swiss sprinter who's who does well in the distances sometimes? Uh, Nadine Feindrich might be her. Okay, let's keep going. Sweden has won this event once at the World Championships. Charlotte Kala in 2015. Ooh, okay. So Eba going for her second time. Five women have claimed multiple medals in the 10K freestyle event. All won two medals. They are Elena Valvi, Tamara Tikonova, Katarina Numanova, Marie Bjorgen, and Thres Johag. If you have Nova in your last name, you have a good shot at that. So those are multiple medals in the 10K freestyle. Now, just for your history, the 10K individual start... From 1954 to 1987 was obviously in the classic style. The first freestyle occurred in 1989. Oh, in 1989, though, they had both. Lauti, they had a classic and a freestyle. See, this is the thing. Like, okay, Elena Valby, when she did her historic five golds, there's one thing that, that to me makes it, I don't know, less amazing maybe. It's just... The nature of the distances for the athletes at that time, 
here's what they oh hold on a second let me see if i can find no i'm on 1991 let me go back to i think it was 1989 right is that when she won all of them uh no false 93 we'll get there 1993 World Championships work in the Wikipedia page like no one else ever has before. What is going on here? Women's Cross Country. No. Okay, hold on. Pause the show. By the way, speaking of this, I saw an ad for a Russian video about Valby's five golds, and it was like a promo. I've never seen that. If someone knows if that video or movie came out, I'd love to see it, but I don't know how to access it. Okay, going in here. So I found it. 1997, they had a 5K classical. Valby won that by three seconds. Uh, Then a 15K, the pursuit, 5K plus 10K, combined pursuit. Okay, then a 15K freestyle, 30K classical, and then you had the relay. I guess that's not as bad as I was thinking. I feel like, yeah, the the years where you have like, so many distances that are the same, like a five, you know, 10K classical and a 10K freestyle, both individual starts. Like, I kind of like that, but I think it does sort of start to stockpile those those awards. It, more like the swimming, you know, where people are like, oh, Michael Phelps, it's so amazing. It's like, no, it, Phelps' eight golds isn't, isn't the most amazing display of dominance. It is pretty dang dominant, and there's a lot of stuff there. But, like, swimming, there's so many different events. And so if you, like... It's not the same thing as like if a guy could win the 100 meter dash and the 800 meter run. Like that's not the same versatility we're talking about. And sometimes in skiing, I feel like it's been that too. So sorry, rambling away. Let's get back. Let's focus. So as I was saying, 91 or 1989 was the first freestyle and Valby won that. She won back to back. 91, she won this event as well. And it was a freestyle. Then, wow, 1993 to 99, not included in the World Championships program. So they had the 5K, I believe. That's when that was going on, right? Because we were just looking at that. Yeah, 5K classical. Okay. Um, 90, or in 2001, it gets it comes back. Ben Tascari wins it two years back-to-back in a row. Then in 05 and 07, Katharina Numanova of the Czech Republic wins it two times in a row. And in 2005, Marie Bjorgen was a bronze medalist there. And then 09, Saarinen of Finland, 11. Bjorgen wins it. 2013, Therese Johag wins it. Bjorgen second. 2015, Charlotte Kala wins it. We mentioned that. Only time the Swede has won it. Jesse Diggins second. Caitlin Gregg third. What a historic day for the U.S. Do you think we could have something like that? A, a repeat of 2015. Rosie Brennan, Jesse Diggins, both medalists. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Um, kind of crazy. I can't believe no Swede. It's, I'm scrolling through here. It's crazy. The Soviet Union won this event every year from 1954 all the way to 1982. The first time a non-Soviet winner Beret An- Anli of Norway. I'm probably going to have Judy Rabinowitz stopping me on the trails and going, you need to learn how to pronounce all of the women from my era. Sorry about that. I do. You need to help me out. Um, and then 2017, Bjorgen wins it. And then Johag 2019, 2021. Frida Carlson's been a runner-up back-to-back. So Frida Carlson has been second 2019 and 2021. And not only that, but Charlotte Takala was second in 2017. So the Swedes have been runner-up in this position Three world championships in a row. Um, Anderson coming in. She's fresh off winning the last two 10K freestyle events in the World Cup. She's also a junior world champion in the 10K freestyle. And she won a 10K classic style and 15K freestyle at the under-23 world champs. I don't care about that. Prior to this year's world champs, Anderson and Carlson had won one world title as teammates on the 4x5 relay in 2019. So, Emma Anderson now has an individual world championship, but Frida Carlson's still looking for that. So, that's probably part of the storyline, I would suppose, is Freya Carlson looking for the first individual world title. Hmm. And, then, and then we get to Jesse Diggins, Fiss. Jesse Diggins, she's finished on the podium in three of the four 10K freestyle events this World Cup season. She won Lillehammer, was third in Le Roos, second in Tullblock. And if I recall, the Tullblock one especially, those were like close finishes. So Diggins has been on point in all of the individual starts and in any skate race, too. I, I think we had an individual start 20K, didn't we? Isn't that the one Diggins won the 20K in in Davos? Gosh, now i got to bring up the Jess Diggins fist page, and let's pull up those results. How has she been doing this year? Because you don't hear, you don't know. Um, backing up, backing up. Hmm. Oh, for some reason... I have my FIS page set to only Val de Fiem results. Must have been a broadcasting 
decision back then. So Toblock, as we mentioned, she was second in the 10K freestyle and distance about 13 seconds by Abba Anderson. And in that race, third place was Ostberg. Oh, I could see Ostberg coming through here. She'll be the Norwegian that gets third. Yeah, that'll be the one. She's coming off that disappointing day in the skiathlon. She's got something to prove. I, I could see Osberg having a great team. Now, I will, I will say, Feindrich was fourth in Toblock in the 10K. Right in front of Rosie Brennan. Delphine Claudel was uh, sixth that day. I think, I think I could see all those athletes being in the mix, obviously. Um, I want to go back to where I was with Diggins, though. 20K. I know she had a good 20K. Obviously, oh, yeah, 20K freestyle pursuit in Oberstorf. She had the fastest time on the day. Here it is, Davos. 20K freestyle. Yes, Jesse Diggins won by five seconds over Osberg. Brennan takes third. That could be the podium, too. I mean, well, no. no one. Eva Anderson is just looking so on point right now. She She is the heavy favorite, heavy, heavy favorite. Coming into this event, no question. Let's see what else they had to say about Jesse. It says she could claim her second World Championships medal in the 10K freestyle. Yes, we just mentioned that. Silver in 2015. At the start of the World Championships in Palenza, USA had won one world title in any cross-country event. Gold for Diggins and Keegan Randall in the women's team sprint in 2013. And speaking of Diggins, she is never, obviously, going along with that fact, that she's never won an individual gold at Worlds. Um, she's never won an individual gold period in a global championship. So she had the silver and a bronze this year in Beijing. She had that gold with Keegan Randall in 2018 and 2013 in Valafiem. Couple silvers. She does have individual silvers. 10K freestyle in 2015 and then an individual sprint silver in 2017. So that's something Diggins would like to add to the resume as well as an individual world champion. I think that is kind of a huge element to the resume too. You know, like, she's the most decorated American skier. She's going to, you know, live on forever. There's no question about that. No doubting her legacy, okay? Diggins, Diggins' legacy is permanently etched in. And even if she didn't have five medals at the World Championships, it would be just the gold medal in 2018 was such a breakthrough thing. Diggins, because of her spirit, her tenacity, her career, longevity, consistency, all that stuff, she's someone who is, is going gonna, is gonna to be more famous than Bill Koch, even, I think. But, but calling yourself a world champion is, is different. And I think individually a world champion is different even than a team world champion. I just think it is like, um, maybe I'm really splitting hairs there, but I, I would imagine Jesse Diggins is extremely hungry for that. So she'll be giving it everything she's got. That's going to be interesting. Other contenders, they mention Osberg. Now Osberg took bronze in the 10K classical style at the world championships in 2019. Hmm. There have been five women to have won a medal in the 10K Classic and 10K Freestyle. Okay, so there... Oh, I see. So she took bronze in the Classic, and she could get a medal in the Freestyle and join an incredible list. They mentioned Heidi Vang, not competing. Tiro Unis Vang. Hmm. Unis Vang's never finished on the podium of a 10K Freestyle event, so maybe she doesn't have as good of a shot. Claudel won the 10K Freestyle. In Valdefiem, second in La Russe. Yeah, let's go. Claudel, you know we're big Claudel fans here, and it'd be sweet to see her have a crazy one. See, do we have any? Oh, Niskanen, Parmakoski could win the second world championship medal for Finland in the 10K freestyle event after a silver medal for Mario Matakainen in 1989. And Germany has never won a medal in the women's 10K freestyle world championships. East Germany's Barbara Petzold took silver in the 10K Classic style 1974. Good thing I mentioned that last sentence. You know Jim Glantz would have been all over me saying you forgot about Barbara. Um, those are all your facts. As we are sitting here through how many days World Championships? We're halfway through or whatever. Best performance, worst performance. Are there anything of note? Disappointing performances? I think disappointing performances for me, I would have to, I'd have to say... It's been it's been disappointing if you're an American men's skier fan because I think we thought we'd have one or two names maybe even getting into the semifinals and the sprint side. Um, so a, a lot of excitement building with them. So for them to not make a breakthrough, to me that's a disappointment domestically. Ivo Niskanen is a disappointment in the sense that he just looks like a shell of his former self, and he he needed to he needs to get out there and win one for the dads right now because he's just not pulling his weight, especially compared to. Look at look at how fatherhood has treated Federico Pellegrino. 
Okay, so he needs to take a cue there and step it up. When the time comes, when his name is called, maybe he's just saving it for that 50K classic. It's going to be epic. But Niskanen is on my naughty list right now. Um, the Finns in general, I love Parmakoski. I love uh, Karatu Niskanen too. And Yasmin Yohansu. I thought Yohansu and Parmakoski maybe had a shot at a medal yesterday. And man, Diggins just blew the doors off of everyone on that last leg to kind of put Yo and Sue in her place and that sort of ended it. But I'd love to see Krista Parmakoski get a medal because she is someone who like is she's like the Rosie Brennan for Finland. A few more medals. Okay. Parmakoski does have medals to her name, but you, you got to get the, the idea, right? They're gritty, consistent, like you can count on them for a top 10. You can count on them for being there um, when, it, when it counts. But uh, yeah, so the Finns have been quiet. I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it a disappointment. The, the most clutch performance, I saw this on Twitter, Chad Selmela put, uh, like, who has the most clutch, best individual. I actually think he um, he has the wrong options in there for some of those because, to me, clutch, you have to do something under pressure. No one had more pressure coming into this than Johannes Klabo in the sprint. So I, I know he's also the most favored skier in that event, but in a sprint where so much can go wrong, it is amazing to me that he flawlessly executed just a dominant display of sprint prowess. So to me, he is the most clutch. But with a close second, I, I would maybe have to say Sundling because she came in with a similar type of pressure and a lot less reps, you know, coming into the World Cup sort of late. So um, for her to also win and then actually come through and win the team sprint too, I kind of feel like that's clutch. Or, or I'd have to just say, honestly, the Swedish women as a whole, that might have been the most clutch to have all the pressure, and they, they delivered completely. It was, you know, one through four, crazy. That's clutch. The best individual performance by far is Astrid Slint. That's not a clutch performance. That's, that's the best individual performance. I mean, she's a ski classic skier who came to the World Championships on a last-second notice, cut off the bottom of her jersey, and then got third. That's pretty insane so she's my individual performance winner um and there you go that's first half of the world champs we've been talking way too much you're probably sick and tired of our show we've been publishing all the time so we'll skip right ahead we got david norris on the line here on the cedar skier podcast thanks for joining us we'll catch you after the event tomorrow as well and recap that That falls upon your skin It's closer than my hands have been I'm good. Good, yeah, good. Sorry to make this a little challenging. Oh, no worries. <laughs> yeah, whereabouts are you right now? I'm in uh, DT. Okay. About to board the plane for Sylvania. Okay. Yeah, how much How much uh, time do I got just so I know? <laughs> uh I mean, they say boarding, and well, now it's twenty minutes. Oh, okay, so, okay, cool, cool. But, but I, I don't need to be first to board. Cool. Well, hey, I'm super, super pumped to have you on, and I'll try to just kind of get right to the chase. Although I will, uh, maybe I'll, I mean, I'll hop into the middle. One of my middle questions I have for you was, hey, racing the Berkey, congratulations, and like, how did, how did that go? It sounds like it was a pretty epic. Classic David Norris race, breaking out and doing the whole thing solo, kind of. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, that was that was an awesome race for me, and I did exactly what I planned to do. And you know that hasn't happened that often, so I'm stoked to pull it off. Uh, often, like I kind of have plans to be a little more aggressive and brave with my racing, but. Uh, for one reason or another, I end up sitting in the pack, and I tend to regret those decisions. So yesterday, actually, like Thursday, I skied on course with Jessica, and she was, I was saying, you know, I think I could go early, and she kind of was like, dude, just stop talking about it and finally do it. <laughs> and, and that's really what motivated me to pull it off this year. Yeah, okay, I mean... And this year's been kind of wild for you, you know. I know, like, you're sort of quasi-retired, but helping out at Steamboat Springs, and sounds like you're kind of living your best life, you know. I mean, can you kind of talk a little bit about this year, how it's been going? What maybe even like what you envisioned the year being, athletically and professionally, and how it's how it's actually transpired? Um, yeah, it definitely has been a big shift for me and for for Jess and I together. Um, we moved to Steamboat in September, 
Jeff is finishing up her clinical rotations through the end of October. And yeah, I started coaching with the Winter Sports Club. And I kind of envisioned just trying to do my best, stay in shape, and train for the Berkey. And and when I made my agreement with the Winter Sports Club, I was they said I could race at nationals in the Berkey, and they've been really supportive of giving me time to race. But I was really taking a step back. Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of figured you know if I was working and training. Uh, I knew I could probably prepare really well for at least one race this season, and that was going to be the Berkey. And just the way things have gone, I've been able to jump in a couple more races than I anticipated, and they've gone really well. And uh, and I, I have a good work schedule, training with the kids in the afternoon for practice, and then in the mornings I usually can get out for my own session. And... Uh, I have my own accounting and bookkeeping company and kind of, which has kind of turned into consulting and bookkeeping. And I do that in the middle of the day on my own time. And yeah, I'm just kind of really grateful that I get the opportunity to exercise a ton and, and race because I just love doing both of that. And it's been a fun, fun transition for sure. So is it accurate for me to translate that almost as you're uh you were, you were kind of coming in this year like, hey, I'm not going to be doing the same strict like World Cup or bus type thing, and I'm going to enjoy coaching, train for the Berkey. Almost like take just a master blaster approach to skiing, and lo and behold, you hop in these super tours, and you're still crushing. I mean, I don't I don't want to tell the story for you a little bit, but like that was, that was uh, me sitting here in Colorado going, this is crazy. Uh, but yeah, can you tell us basically the – the crooks of the issue here is, yeah, how do you go from uh, quasi-retired to flying to Planitza to race the world championships? Yeah, it, I would say there's definitely a sense of taking the Master Blaster approach. Um, like after last year, I decided to take a step away from racing, and, and the races I planned to do were going to be all domestic. Um, but, you know, like I still know – like what I need to do for training and how to write a plan for myself. So while training for myself hasn't been the priority, um, I still put in some good workouts intentionally knowing that I wanted to ski fast at the Berkey. Um, yeah, that transition, you know, after last year, I was like, you know, I'm just, I've said yes to like every world cup start, every opportunity in Europe. And I just got to a point where I was really, I was tired of trying to raise money to represent the U.S. year after year. Yeah. There's no, no support from the U.S. E team to race in Europe uh, all these years, and the community has made it possible, and I'm really grateful for all that. But I got to this point where I'm like, you know, I'm uncomfortable asking people for money all the time, and uh, and maybe there's someone younger who, you know, like could use – those same resources so I was hoping to pass that along and um, by me just cutting my costs down a bunch and staying at home I, I knew I'd be happy um, you know those resources could go other places and and I also wouldn't have to you know do fundraisers all the time so that that was kind of like how this evolution occurred and and then you know it just so happened that I'm racing well and when I got named to the world champs I debated you know just tossing it up but at the same time i think it's a really positive experience and i'm stoked to you know get back with my friends over there yeah i was kind of curious like because it's happened so quickly and you you know you like you said the Berkey was sort of the, the big race on your calendar that you were going to target. And now this sort of comes up. I mean, at when you're doing workouts, even in August, September, October, was there any inkling at all for you, like an itch of visualizing, Hey, you know, if this opportunity arises, I'm totally still mentally in it. Or was this even a little bit just like, yeah, I don't know the, the retired athlete gets that call, but you're like, wow, is this actually happening? Okay, here we go. And like a last minute shift, you know, is, is was this something to that? Like you still have some unfinished business world cup that you're really happy you can try to take care of too. Um, it, it was definitely just a last minute 
uh, opportunity to jump on. Yeah. I mean, even even last like you know around April, we started ordering skis for next season. And when I worked with Rosignol, I said my focus was like you know something like Boulder Mountain Tour and Berkey. So I only yeah. ordered uh, like. I only ordered one classic ski for this year because I didn't think I was going to classic race this winter. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, like a pleasant surprise to be doing the 50K classic in Planitza. Um, and yeah, in August, I was just enjoying, you know, like I really, really liked uh, exploring Steamboat this fall. Like I, I was accidentally making my workouts go like pretty like hours longer than I intended to because I was just like, well, I don't know where this trail goes. Yeah. Uh, so I was accidentally kind of, well, intentionally allowing myself to accidentally train a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and if I was thinking about anything, it was definitely, like, a Berkey, hey. not, not World Cup or anything. What, what kind of specifics actually can you give us about your training uh, comp- this year compared to like a, tr- you know, even a year ago or two years ago, I mean, volume wise, workout wise, key workouts, what, how would you say it's different? Um, it's, it's, it's way different in, in a lot of ways. Like I, I heard, I, I fractured my heel last spring. So, um, you know, I, I could only do uphill treadmill and run it or mountain biking this summer and the pressure of wearing a ski boot really hurt my heels. I didn't roller ski. I only roller ski three times before September when I started coaching. Okay. And then at that point, I, I had to take a heat gun to my boots and totally pack out the boot to make sure it didn't push on that tender spot. Jeez. Which is it's still irritating me now, but I'm optimistic I'll be able to run well this summer. Um, but the training really changed this fall when like instead of focusing on Ruka and being stressed about performing well in period one, right. like I had none of that stress and I've, I've just been able to like exercise every day, like more as like a lifestyle. Like Jess and I, uh, we wake up or we go to bed and we're like, it's going to be a powder day tomorrow morning and we're getting our backcountry skis ready for like, you know, a 6am wake up call and getting up the mountain for first tracks and, kind of just prioritizing being active like part of the day all every day and without that stress of racing like i'm certain my volume's massive this year um i'm not actually like logging it very well because i just not at this point like i'm aware of what i'm doing week to week and i have like a kind of a vision of my training plan but i don't have a fixed training plan or yeah anything like that so it's kind of just been like make it fun try not to say no to cool opportunities or invitations to uh like good adventures but um still like get in you know an interval set a week that's for what i believe i need right yeah you, you can actually you i'm sure there's almost been a shift of like without something written down like it's tuesday i have to do this workout but like you know, quasi listening to your body. Also, yeah, like you said, if it's a powder day, we're going to do this or whatever. I'm sure that's, I, I would almost imagine that the stress-free nature of that almost makes up for any, I don't know, whatever minutia gains are made when you are so strict, you know? Like, do you feel like you are a more fit athlete than you were last year? You know, like, is there a confidence level actually coming into these world championships, even though you haven't raced to the World Cup recently? you know, that you're like, I think I have more confidence in my strength and whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I have just like a huge question mark kind of like, yeah. I haven't, I don't have these like gauges. You know, when you're racing weekend after weekend against certain like field, you, you get like either reassurance that you are fit or, right. you know, or you get beaten down by being, by getting crushed. And, uh, I just haven't had either of those really, you know, like nationals. I was like, Oh, uh, like I, I'm in good shape. Um, and then like this week in the Berkey, I, I felt really strong, but I think the, the shape is maybe a little different. Like instead of, I guess my workouts just haven't been traditional. Like the one workout I try to do for myself every week is get in like 55 to 65 minutes of threshold 
and okay. the rest of my higher intensity comes from uh, I try to actually do the like L4 with the guys team and and bounce back between the guys and the women's crew as we do like a four by four set and uh, it's four by four with them is really good and it's fun to be like a rabbit for them or real time technique advice to the kids while we're doing the set but it's also really different than doing a four by four with like Hunter and Scott up in Alaska when right. we're training together. So I think it's been really positive and the change in my training, like I could stress about it, but what I've figured out is like that maybe just change is also a new stimulus and maybe that's something I needed. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and what, what events will you be doing? Just so I know, is it, are you just doing the 50 K? Yeah, as of now, I'm just doing the 50K, and maybe if they need someone in the relay, okay. I, would, I would love to participate in that. Um, and I was offered the 30K start for the skiathlon, um, but the Berkey, you know, had been such a target for me that it was really hard to – I had to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I was kind of wondering, too, like, I mean, maybe for you now, you're sort of carefree anyway, but, like, is that – not ideal having the Berkey and then however many days you've got rest between the thir- in the between the fifty k. Are you kind of like, oh no, this this is like my life now. I'm used to this. That that'll be no problem. I'm I, if anything, the Berkey was a tune up. It's skate now. It's classic. It's a nice switch up. You know, like or was, yeah. I'm, I was kind of like shocked actually when I saw wow Norris is gonna race the Berkey and then go to Worlds because I didn't know like the Berkey was actually kind of that priority all year too. You know, and there's the financial incentive obviously too of winning the Berkey. I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's all accurate. Um, I mean, it is. I mean, it might be a hard series, and I'm racing Homophone the week after Fanita. Okay. Um, and so it's going to be three fifties in a row, and that will probably be hard to link together, and hopefully travel smooth and all that. But, um, but yeah, a little bit in the back of my mind too. I've been like, at least I'm not waxing like. Yeah. Uh, full time like at nationals Josh Mullen and uh, myself partnered with the Vale team and like we were like doing a full waxing schedule for all the kids and like getting to the races at several hours before my own start to test skis and get everything prepped for the whole team so in a way I'm like oh this is maybe like I've, I've prepared for this well by having these like epic days uh, nationals coaching and racing. Yeah, I was gonna say I I I was talking to Dan um, at the state car state ski meet. We were talking about you, and he was like saying, you know, yeah, here's a guy who like is testing skis and literally skiing like thirty plus k, and then he hopped into the twenty k, got second. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's not. I mean, like, is that pretty much how that went down? <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they did their best, like the night before the 20k to like send me home early and uh the morning of they let Jess and I come a little later but um I mean it was almost amusing like I'd get a dry shirt on after the race and be in the wax cabin like trying to have a like a snack or something and Dan's like yeah. what are you doing get back out there man like almost like grinning and laughing about it but yeah also, there were skis that needed to be tested, so I actually was hopping back on snow, and my cool down was to try to keep up with Josh on the test track. Now, that's awesome. And, I mean, I guess I can, like, say with some level of honesty that part of your preparation was hopping behind me in the classic uh, tracks at the alley loop. But, like, dude, I, David Norris is on my tail right now. This is the coolest thing ever. Um, and, uh, oh, I, actually, what I wanted to ask you was – uh classic versus skate you know like are you you've had some great results in both and even at worlds you know in 2021 you were 16th in the classic uh when it was 50k 2019 20th when it was a skate like are you um kind of amped it's a it's a classic this year i mean and then i obviously you get a chance freestyle at home and call and i guess t- talk me through what's your strength or is it kind of equal or yeah your mindset regarding that discipline shift uh I hope it's equal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
I mean, I'm really excited that I do get to follow up Planeta with a skate 50k in case I'm just significantly stronger than that right now. But traditionally, I've been pretty equal in both. And um, yeah, my only concern for the classic is like just that my heel has been bugging me more in classic boots. And so I kind of have to nurse that. But I don't know, it should be good. I think this course is really grindy and it rewards fitness. Because um, I'd probably say like my my power double pull is probably at an all-time low right now. But, uh, but I think there's lots of gradual long striding sections at Planeta. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think I – I think I'm – it should be a good battle for, for like you know, challenging my best results ever. I imagine. Yeah, and, and I don't know. <laughs> Dan was kind of saying that he's like, hey, he needs a course that's hard. So I mean, I, I didn't know much Planitza Intel as far as course. So it sounds like you kind of do know some of those things. Like what what would be a perfect scenario for you in terms of how the race plays out or what the conditions are like? I know that it's been warm, slushy. You know, are you kind of are you watching the, the world championships right now, licking your chops, going, "This is going to play right into my hands." Um, you know, I I think it's probably pretty usual for like people in my caliber to say, but like ski conditions or snow conditions where like skis are more equalized would be like definitely in my favor. Like if it's super slushy and slow, then, you know, you might need a spectacular pair of slush skis to like hang with the, the rest of the fast skis. Uh, Cause they're just so variable at that level. Uh, but then, yeah, like, probably a consistent hard pace would be in my favor rather than like surgy and stuff like that. Cause yeah. I think I've trained well for the grind. Like I've probably done what I shouldn't do where <laughs> a lot of the year I did like L2, L3, just like, you know, that middle ground yeah. that they tell you not to do. Yeah. I've done an awful lot of that, like skinning. Yeah. Um, like, and I, I realized this later actually that like backcountry skiing, I've, like, I think I'm, like, always, like, mid-zone two, just right. kind of skinning hard. Um, so, yeah, just, like, a constant effort grind would be awesome. And, yeah, and my intel on Planita is just what I've been told from, like, Scott Patterson and, and Rosie texting them a little bit. Uh, like, even when I was, before I asked for time off work to go to World Champs, I kind of talked to Scott and I was like, what, what's the course like? Like, should I... Should I even like come? You know, because I just wasn't sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I was I was gonna ask you a question about your teammates too. Yeah, like for you, you know, you haven't you haven't made an Olympic team, and it seems like you're always that guy. I don't know. On my podcast, which has like maybe ten listeners, I have I was singing the praise like, dude, how is David Norris not on the Olympic team? Stuff like this, and uh, you just kind of always have have been a person I've cheered for in that regard. But I would imagine for you, it's like is there any awkwardness at all where it's like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, because they're a pretty tight knit group and they try, they're traveling, you know, yes, people get called up for different periods of racing, but there's sort of a core group of, of guys and girls. Um, and just kind of, yeah, knowing that history with you where it's like, you know, yeah, Norris is going to come and destroy everyone at this, another global championship and then not get funding or whatever. Like, I don't know what, or is it just, yeah, these are my friends from Alaska and, and I'm just pumped and jacked to hang out with them. Yeah. You know, I've, like, despite, uh, like, criteria and team naming that I really disagree with and, you know, can find massive flaws in, I, the teammates and the athletes, like, never had anything against any of the athletes. Like, we're just all, yeah. I think we're good friends, and, like, I'm so stoked to hang out with them and really love them. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, aside me, it was like, are you kidding? Like, when I really put everything into making the Olympics, I come up short and then not even trying to make world champs and I pull it off kind of thing. Like yeah. a little bit of irony, but, um, but it's also just a bigger team quota. Like, you know, they, they brought like one distance guy to the Olympics, basically like I think Scott was the only dude racing the 50 K and, um, this year they have more spots. So they're able to fill the 30 and 50 K better. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a different scenario. And and Holman Cullen, is that the only other one you'll do, or are you doing a, another one like the week at? I, there's another weekend, I think, right? Um, yeah, I think 
It might be like Falun and Lati yeah. after. Um, no, I'll just do Homocoin and head back to okay. Steamboat. What, and Homicoin is usually classic, so I mean, having that be freestyle, obviously unique. This that is a good timing thing for you, I would I would think. And I'm curious, what is your strategy game plan going in there? Have you thought much about you know how you'd like to see that race play out? Um, have you? I, I tried to do a little bit of a deep dive on your results, but like you raced it once, right? At least. Yeah, I think I've done it three times. Okay. I think, and it, uh, and each time I've been like five or ten spots better than the previous year um or you know like kind of had a constant improvement so um like what i've learned there is like what's occurred each time for me is i hang on to the lead pack and then i just get like shot off it when the pace really turns up and that's occurred like further and further down the trail you know like i yeah. lost the group at 20k one year then 30k and then i made it to like 40 or something like that um i think my strategy if i'm feeling good and stuff is to like try to put myself more in the mix of the lead group not just be sitting right on the back of it because you know on the back you you have to deal with the pace changes and the slinky kind of that occurs but also like if people do start falling off or i start falling off there's no one like behind you to kind of like suck you along yeah um, so i've kind of made that mistake of just being like right on the tail and thinking everything's good and then all of a sudden uh finding myself like 30 seconds off the lead group wondering what happened yeah yeah for sure i mean uh i'm excited for that race excited to see it play out interesting that it's you know having it be skate will be a little bit different too than just the traditional i i still wish that was like a 50k individual start like the purest in me which maybe that yeah. maybe you would like that too i don't know <laughs> i feel like it's the most uh traditional ski race but um yeah hey this has been awesome having you on i was wondering any other thoughts on world champs or questions i should have asked that i didn't something to bring up i know you know you've had just kind of a busy rush here we're catching you in the airport which is crazy <laughs> but yeah yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm really grateful for the Winter Sports Club to give me the opportunity to come race here, and I think I'm, I feel really lucky to be working with the, the athletes and the coaches there, and uh, yeah, it's been a really cool experience this year. And this summer, will you, are you going to return to Pikes Peak and do the uphill? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like I, after last year, I was like, never again. But I'll probably end up running it. Um, I'm stoked to to run, and yeah, it'll be. Yeah, that's the great thing about being a skier is like as soon as the snow starts melting, you get excited for the next uh, like you know athletic season ahead. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and you live in a dream spot. I mean, obviously you've had some fun in Alaska too. I lo- Colorado though, from like March to May. Man, if you've been piling on hours before, just wait until that happens because it's like perfect skiing in the morning and mountain biking out your door in the afternoon, you know, like you don't have to go anywhere. So it's a, it's kind of a dream yeah. scenario, but yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm so stoked. And, and also, I, I got to thank all the like, you know, people that have donated to me and uh, sponsors I've had to like that have allowed me to race internationally like i'm so grateful for everybody in the ski community you have here like in the u.s and alaska colorado like people always pull through whenever i've been in need so yeah just can't say thanks enough I probably should have asked you, a, 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 you know, the ski community would be like, why haven't you asked him about his gear and stuff? Like, as far as skis go, you feel like you're ready to go. You're not running on some, like, crazy old pair of skis or anything like that, right? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, <laughs> there are, a lot of my best skis are probably from, like, 2019 World Champs. So. Okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I, I got good gear. Vazic takes great care yeah. of me. And, yeah, so, no, I'm, I'm – I feel super lucky to have this opportunity and I'm just, yeah, want to soak it all in and hopefully come back with some good lessons and experiences for the kids at Steamboat. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, they're, I mean, they're going to be pumped. Everyone will be tuned in to skiandsnowboard.live, I'm sure. So, well, hey, I appreciate the conversation and the chat and um, best of luck. You know, we're, we're definitely going to be cheering for you. And, and if you ever 
you know, uh, want to come back on our show too. We'd love to have you. <laughs> so, or, or you, you know, if you want to come to Leadville, get a little altitude training for people who live at altitude. Like, uh, we could do, you, you could, uh, have an, uh, finally you can go on an L1 day. You know, you could ride your bike with me or something and it'll be L1 for you, I assume. So, <laughs> absolutely. I'll take you up on that. 10,000 feet, you know, here we are. Above all the clouds, but below all the stars. Whoa. 10,000 feet, you know, here we are. Above all the clouds and below the stars, oh, L-E-A-D-V-I-L-L-E-G-U-I, I'm a little guy. We got a new hit for y'all here at KQWB. It's from Ryan Cedarquist, all the way from Lundell, Colorado. Yeah, bruh. We behind the sky. Give me that high mountain vibe. Cloud City, baby, joke is that fortune goodbye. John Winthrop said it best where a city on a hill. Horace Faber did the rest, collecting bill after bill. We got that Dutch Henry Hill, you know we call it boom days. Burrow Racing's Gajoran, there's a couple of ways of coming down Harrison, and everyone is amazed. I tell them Market Mountain Massive, and I'm not even phased. Saying hi to Smokey at the community threads. I got my melee looking fresh, you know I turning heads. I'm stealing glances from your girl, better alert the feds. As I ride in my dog sled, they thoroughbreds And I'm a panther for life, you know a cool cat Our teachers be so fly, you know they know how to snapchat And they be tripping every time we be wearing a hat But we be dripping, we in crew circle shouting who that And when we up to bat, let will be a true team We radical David Platt, we turning you into a high We all in the Democrat, our stories need a new ring We all in the field shouting victory, it's our new Here we go. Silver Rush, heavy half coming up I'm gonna in the Leadville, 100 and a pretty far Behind the winter tin park, went around the lake Quicker than I can, even when I'm in a fast car Do we even have a bar? Tweet line, BB, Pioneer, what? 24-7 back in the day, can I have a say When I want on my way, get a nap at the Tennessee Pass Cafe 10,000 feet, you know, here we are Above all the clouds, but below the stars Whoa. L-E-A-D-V-I